Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards, a podcast where we take on some of the traditional thinking in psychology and have another look at it from a different uh, point of view, from a different angle, if you will. And uh, today I am joined, as I am every week, with my very best friend, my my soul sister, and my uh, great uh, uh, colleague, Judy Sedgman. And Christine Heath, you are the best. Uh, I'm so happy. People always comment about our friendship and how it comes across on this podcast. And if that's the only thing you get out of this, that's great because we truly have the best friendship in the world. We just trust each other and love each other and enjoy each other. And we both think that we're clever and smart. So uh, (laughs) we have a good time talking about things. (laughs) And we don't take ourselves too seriously. Right. <laughs> and we, we share political views. We, we share a lot of things. So we're, we're great friends and we hope that you'll uh, pick up on the feeling of our friendship and um, notice that in the friends that you have. So today we thought we'd talk about humility. And um, humility is a kind of an underrated uh, character or quality Mm-hmm. Uh, in a person because in psychology anyway, because you're supposed to know everything. So you're inundated with all this information on diagnosis and on um, uh, personalities and on uh, treatment and ways of treating people. It's like a lot of information. And one of the things we realized is that what makes the work that we do so different is that we're just talking to another human being. Mm -hmm. And that human being is just like us. They don't have an illness. Now, they might be using their thinking in ways that are very um, creative and (laughs) hurtful to them and painful and all kinds of things. And they might be having, you know, several things going on at once for them, so they might be suffering with that. But yet they are just a human being like we are. And within them, they have this incredible vat of wisdom and a consciousness that can wake that up for them, no matter what's going on with the way they're using the gift of thought. So one of the things that I know in the field of psychology is that many people are a little bit arrogant Um, because they get into analyzing things and think that they know the truth about people. But, you know, it's a funny thing, this thing, diagnoses, because they're kind of moment to moment. I know before I I started to learn about the principles, I'm sure I had some pretty hefty diagnoses. Um, I don't even want to venture what they could be because I was (laughs) quite into being mentally unstable and having all these problems. It was kind of a an ego thing that I got caught up in. And I I know that one of the things that happens is that I felt very insecure because to me, 
all that information didn't really make sense because I knew there were times when I was not like that. Mm -hmm. I knew there were times when I was okay. And I knew at one level that I just really wanted to be happy. And that knowing, as um, I understand now, is really kind of an, an advanced level of evolution that somehow I was lucky enough to have. And so I was looking for something that was um, going to help me to feel better. Because what I was doing was very interesting and it was very analytical and I could figure things out. It's fascinating for my little mind to go over. But it really didn't help me to feel better. Mm. And that's kind of what happens with people as they come in and uh, to see a, a traditional therapist, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, and they get a diagnosis, and the psychologist is quite sure that's what they have. Now, depending on the person, I mean, there are some psychologists and therapists that don't take diagnosing too seriously, but there are others that think that it is absolutely the truth and that you cannot change mm -hmm. your diagnosis, that there's not an opportunity for health to come in. And we think that this is kind of lacking in some humility because the truth is, is that every human being has moments when they're not suffering. Now, they may not live there very often and they may not visit that state of mind very, you know, very frequently, but it is there within everybody mm -hmm. and we just don't pay attention to it. So instead of studying how people are not in that, state of mental well-being, what we're doing is looking at, let's look at how they are. And that becomes very fascinating because you realize there's an infinite amount of, of learning to happen. There's mm -hmm. so little that we really know about living in health. That is, it is a very humbling experience. Like Judy and I were, are preparing for this um, class that we're doing on um, helping people with this, this understanding. And, um, one of the things that we are learning ourselves after teaching this for 40 some years, <laughs> we're just learning ourselves stuff that we never saw before, that we never, never felt before, that we never realized before. And that understanding is what is so magical about this work is because it's ever changing mm -hmm. and it's ever evolving. It's like the universe. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, just it's a, the universe is a metaphor really for that. And so it, it's, it, it's understanding that you don't know and that you're curious about what you don't know about the person and how their health works, where the answers are. Because what's known and what the suffering that the person's been going through isn't going to help them get out of it. It just explains why they're suffering, which mm -hmm. is interesting, but doesn't do you any good if you want to be happy. Yeah, that is such a great point, Chris, because I, you know, it's so funny. I came at this work not via previous training in psychology, but by, by, via being a consultant to uh, medical practices. And my job was to know things that they didn't know and help them to fix things that were broken in their practice. And first of all, the first thing I started to realize when I got interested in the principles was, who do I think I am? You know, these guys, have it's their practice. 
they started this practice with their own money, their own sweat, their own sweat equity in it. And they're, they're doctors. They know what they're doing. They don't know what they know. You know, and they think it's complicated and they think it's going to be hard. But the fact is, you know, you can hire people to do things for you, but that doesn't mean they should be telling you what to do. And so they would, uh, I changed everything as soon as I had enough humility to think, I, I don't know any more about their practice than they do. I know some business principles that would help them. I know some ways to train their staff better and, you know, make adjustments and that kind of thing. But they know what they want. They want, you know, the kind of practice, the feeling they want, the way they want their patients treated, the, the kind of things that they want to do. And I, I, it was such a humbling experience, but it took all the pressure off me to sort of become one with my clients. Now they were doctors and I was not, so I don't know if they ever felt that they were one with me, but, you know, but in a sense to realize that we're, deep down, we all have common sense. Deep down, we all have wisdom. Deep down, we all want peace of mind. We want to we want to be able to access ideas and answers that will help us to live life in a better state of mind, a better level of happiness. And we all want other people around us to feel better. And, and that's, uh, you know, we're just, we're together in that and we don't realize it. And I remember having this conversation. I had one client who was a neurosurgeon who was kind of a Renaissance guy. He was, he liked to read poetry and he was very cool. In addition to being a neurosurgeon, and he said, you know, uh, I, you seem different to me. He was the first person that noticed it. And uh, because we had, we had these meetings monthly with our clients and we had a monthly meeting and he called me the next day and he said, you want to have lunch? And I said, sure. So I went over and he said, you seem kind of different to me. And I said, well, I feel different. And he said, well, what's going on? And I said, well, what did you notice in the practice, you know, in the meeting that we had? And he said, well, it's the first time you ever asked me my vision for my practice. He's the first time you ever asked me, you know, what are there things that you'd like to do that we've never talked about? And he said, you know what? I, there are, and I didn't even realize it until you asked that question. And then I, I started coming up with ideas and I said, I know I was thrilled. I was writing them down. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, and then I realized, well, I can't do these by myself, you know, <laughs> I'm a brain surgeon. I'm busy. But I realize that's why I have, I'm doing business with you. Because when I tell you this is a vision I have for what I'd like to do with my building or a partner I'd like to bring in, that then you can do something about it. And that's a complete reversal from me going in and telling them what you need to do is blah, 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 which is what most consultants do. And it was such a beautiful moment. I remember that because it was like we were partners now. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't under pressure to know stuff that I really didn't know and that well. And he wasn't under pressure to come up with uh, questions for me that, about stuff that he didn't really understand, you know, to sound smart. Suddenly, we were just two people who each had a specialty, and, and we were just sharing ideas. And that's what happened with all of my clients. And it was the same thing that happens, I think, with therapy, although I've never done it the other way because I didn't start working with people until I got involved in the principles, is that um, nobody has to be the expert. Because the only thing that we know that our clients may not know when they first come in 
is that it's going to be fine. Everything works out. There's always an answer somewhere. And that, you know, we all have wisdom. And if we can just look there, we'll find it. And I remember that our meetings got so pleasant compared to the very business-like kind of like, let's get through these paperwork, and, you know. Our, our meetings got so pleasant that sometimes it was like, you know, three hours and I'd say, we really got to stop, you know, guys, it's 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> and, uh, and it was a very different, it was a, it was a whole different world. And that's the world that we're trying to share when we talk about humility. It's Humility is not like that false sense of like, I'm not that important. You know, people say, oh, I'm very humble. As soon as the person tells you they're very humble, you know that they're not. But <clears throat> I, I remember Sid used to say, he, he had some guru come up to visit him once. Sid, mm-hmm. Sidney Banks I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and, and the guy came crawling into the kitchen to ask for tea. And Sid goes, what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm showing humility. And Sid looked at him and he said, humility is when it isn't. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, and so, the, you know, the feeling of humility is the, is, the, is the bond that we have with all human beings, that we're all the same. And I, and I made me think of this. I had an encounter yesterday. I was walking home from uh, an errand. And I ran into this homeless woman that I pass fairly often. She's always somewhere along my street. And I don't carry cash with me very often anymore because I suddenly realize I'm living in a city and carrying a wallet around is not too smart. So I mostly have my phone and maybe a credit card in my jeans pocket. And uh, But I happen to have a $20 bill because I had was planning to stop in the drugstore. And I thought, well, if it's under $20, I'll just pay cash. But it was more than that, so I couldn't. So <laughs> I'm walking along, and I, I start stopped to talk to her. And she said, you know, you are the nicest person that I meet on the street. And I said, well, I'm sorry. I never have cash with me because um, I don't generally carry cash. And she said, I don't care. She said, you talk to me, and you make me feel like a real person. And she said, the other day when you told me that my earrings looked really nice on me, I thought, you know, I'm a homeless woman. And I do have earrings. I have earrings from when I, before I became homeless. And I like them. And she noticed them. And it made her feel like a woman, she said. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you're a beautiful woman. I don't know why you wouldn't feel that way. She said, well, you know, being homeless is not, not that easy. I said, I know that. And then I remembered the $20 bill in my pocket. And I said, but you know what? <laughs> I said, today... I had a I had cash with me for the first time I was going to pay for something and then I decided to use my phone and I pulled out of my pocket and I handed to her she said you can't it's way too much money and I said I have passed you at least a hundred times and and apologized to you for not having cash and you can't take twenty dollars for me come on give me a break so she took it and as I was walking away she said thank you so much honey thank you so much honey And I thought, you know, what a wonderful thing because, you know, it was just an experience of human being to human being. I live in a totally different world than she lives in, but we're both women. And, you know, we both like earrings and and, uh, we really think it's important to respect other people and care about them. And that's all it is. Humility is just knowing that we're all the same. Yeah. And it's really just the intellect, the ego yeah. taking over and thinking that you know something like yeah. really it's so much in the world to know. How could you know a, a pittance of it? You know, it's like a, 
a, a tear that falls into the ocean. Yeah. You know, it becomes the ocean. But when it's just the tear on your cheek, it's pretty, pretty powerless. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just information we have in our head, but we get so attached to it. And when our ego gets so uppity, whether it's about religious beliefs or political beliefs or beliefs about homeless people or thoughts about the way you should do your life or how you should eat or how you should dress. I mean, these are just all thoughts that we have that we then think are correct and right. And then we think people who don't have those thoughts are then wrong because they don't have the same thought, right? So when you get all caught up in your thoughts and you like your thoughts, the nature of consciousness is it makes them seem real and true to you. Mm -hmm. So the more you get attached to what you think, the more your ego gets attached to it, the less humility you have. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're trying to help another human being, you have no idea what's going on in their life. No. You cannot walk in their shoes. You can get an understanding of how they're mm -hmm. feeling about it, but you really cannot see it. The mm -hmm. only reality you can see is yours. Mm -hmm. And you can find uh, compassion and understanding when people are telling you, but you do not know. And I remember when before I learned about the principles, when I did traditional work, I would get so insecure because people would ask me to give them to problem solve with them. And I had no clue what they should do. And I knew it. Mm -hmm. But I didn't think I should not know. Like I thought other people knew. I thought everybody else knew. But me, I was just stupid. And so I'd make something up, right? And then the next week they'd come in. They didn't even try what I told them. And they're on to another problem anyway. It wasn't even worth spending time on. Because it was as soon as they left my office, they stopped thinking about it. And they, it stopped being a problem. Mm-hmm. Well, whether it's trying to figure out what's wrong with somebody or trying to tell them what to do, it will make you insecure mm -hmm. if you get caught up in what you think they should do. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't share that sometimes with people. Like, you know, we, we share things. I, sometimes I tell clients, don't do that, you know, yeah. or like knock it off or something, you know, because they get so caught up in their thinking, they're not listening. They're not in a, in a beautiful feeling. And so I, whatever comes out of my mouth is what happens with people. But it's really understanding that we're all the same mm -hmm. all the time. And we just have different thoughts about life. So if you think your thoughts are right, you're going to be full of yourself. And you're going to have a hard time. You're going to talk about yourself a lot. You're going to, I have a friend who had a really, her husband died when he died. She had a, heck of a time making friends and she would join the church group and do different things and the women that she would be with didn't want to hang out with her so I was talking to her and she said like nobody wants to be my friend and and I said well you know sometimes it's a really a good thing to learn how to listen to where other people are coming from yeah and I said sometimes I think maybe you talk about yourself quite a bit she says, but I like to talk about myself. I said, yeah, that would be the problem because everybody likes to talk about themselves. And so you want to ask them questions about their life and get to know them. You know, she was so used to just talking to her husband and, and talking about their life and herself and what she thought. And she would just get so caught up in there. But she 
didn't realize because she got such a good feeling of it. And so sometimes people do that. They think they know everything. They think that they know what your problem is. They think they know. Mm -hmm. And that sense of uh, kind of a big headedness that we say you got a big head is that means that you're just so attached to what you think that you lose that sense of, of connection. Of connection. Yes. And also a sense of, being connected to your own wisdom. Because sometimes if you talk to somebody, you're just talking from you. You don't even know how that's going to affect them. And they get a big insight from it. Mm-hmm. They, You say something that they think changed them, but it wasn't you that changed them. You were just saying some words. It was what happened in them. Yeah. But when we get attached to our words and we get attached to our ideas, we get attached to our beliefs, we get full of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then we stop listening to others and we forget that we're the same. Yes. And we forget that they have as much right to their thoughts and their thoughts are just as real to them mm-hmm. as our thoughts are to us. And I think the most humbling thing is to realize that, like you say, you never know what's really going on in another person's life, nor do you really know what they think is important if you can't listen mm-hmm. with an open mind and, and see something in them. Yeah. And <laughs> and this is kind of a funny thing, but I, I think it's been a very good experience for me to move from my little sheltered life in Florida where everybody that I hung out with was, was a lot like me. You know, we were all educated women or educated people who, you know, had had professional careers and were now, you know, either still working or somewhat retired. Or, and now I've moved into a city where there's old people, young people, people of all races, creeds and colors, people of all economic backgrounds, and we're all sharing the street in the neighborhood. And um, <clears throat> because I'm alone, usually, I talk to strangers a lot. And like, I'll sit down in the park, and if there's somebody sitting across from me or near me, I'll start, I'll talk to them. And I've met some incredibly interesting people that are people that I would never have met or talked to in my previous circumstances because I was kind of living in a bubble. And I think a lot of us do that. And then we miss out on the beauty of human beings and on the extraordinary. And I think the greatest thing about being in the, in the field actually of helping of psychology or psychiatry or any helping profession is that um, the realization that, you know, you get all kinds of people coming in to see you. But you start to realize the one thing we all have in common is that we're making it up. It looks real to us. And then we don't know what to do if we do, if it frightens us. We don't know what to do with it. And just to know that that's the nature of humanity, regardless of circumstances, is that we're the thinkers. And our thinking looks real. But it's not. It's just the way our thinking is and our consciousness brings it to life. Mm-hmm. And that... And- that Never mind, that brings us closer. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, who cares what you think anyway? You already thought it. Yeah. (laughs) It's over. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, isn't it funny how we get so caught up in our own thinking as if, you know, it's of value. But the more you see that not knowing is a place where you settle down. Because when you're. When you get into, I need to know, I need to be right, I need, you, you have to defend yourself, you got to argue with people, you got to tell them that they're wrong, you got to do a lot of thinking. And if you just like are okay with not knowing, mm-hmm. 
and really not caring because it's just their thinking. Then you find a way to get to the person's heart. Yeah. And if you can connect heart to heart, just like you did with that woman on the street, what a beautiful story, is that she could feel your, as we would call, aloha. Mm -hmm. She could feel that feeling of love in you. Mm -hmm. And just not for her as a person, but her as a human being, another Mm -hmm. creature being created through this great experiment that's called life. Yeah. It's... You know, it's very touching to me that um, to realize that there's really no difference between anybody. You know, it's like I, I was watching the um, the news about this earthquake in Morocco this morning, and and I was listening to some of the people who live in Morocco. They live a very different life than I'm even familiar with. But you know, and 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 the and the way they were they were expressing such incredible empathy for the people they couldn't help at the moment. You know, there's still people in the rubble and so on. And this, and this one woman said, you know, I, I don't know who these people are. I don't know, you know, we're, we're safe. My family got out of our house, but I know I can hear voices. I know they're people and I don't know how to help them. And she started to cry. She said, and they're just human beings. And I thought, what a beautiful, I mean, it's a sad, but beautiful statement. Yeah. That's sometimes that's it takes something very shocking to wake people up to the fact that you know hey we're we're all in this together mm-hmm. and you know I used to say it's the human race and nobody's winning <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I I I think the problem I see sometimes with diagnoses and with the whole idea of you know labeling people and figuring out what's wrong with them and trying to fix it is that it is it bypasses the truth that nobody's deep down their soul is not broken their thinking is misdirected but you can't touch the human soul it's formless i think that's a great place to end yeah (laughs) well this was yeah it was nice so thank you thank you chris and thanks everybody for being with us and hope you'll be with us again next time Thank you, Judy. Aloha, everyone. Bye-bye. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com. 